there would be a lot of cap fan dangling to make this work, but Eric Carlson. I've been thinking about Eric Carlson a lot, and I'm yeah. glad you brought it up. What's up, and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. What's up, and welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. It is the Steve Steos episode, number 24. That's that's a good one to start with, eh? Yeah, I love Steve Steos. He's one of my favorite defensemen during those early Oilers years. Probably the only like trade i remember initially being such a shock when they traded him to calgary and i was like what the fuck are we doing here to be fair whenever there's a trade between calgary you're kind of shook true it doesn't really make sense at the time we were going to say dave manson but i feel like he's gonna hear it enough this podcast (laughs) yeah probably (laughs) but before we get into things uh evander kane if you're still looking at uh joining a podcast and uh still interested you fired out the bat signal at three o'clock today just asking whether or not he should start or join a podcast. So he's got some time on his hands. There's a third chair well open for you. Exactly. That'd be <laughs> that would be fantastic, even if it was just for an episode, if we could convince a guy like Vander Kane to come join us. Yeah, yeah. Just just shoot the shit for a little bit. It's, it's a long shot in the dark, but shooters got to shoot, right? Exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, a plethora of hockey to get into. Uh, We were talking just before we hit record on the podcast. Rather than going through every single game, there's just so many themes that are coming up that I don't think we spend enough time on the podcast actually going through and kind of explaining our theories and and, um, kind of taking an overall look. Uh, There's enough post-game shows to go into. So uh, we'll try and recap each game, uh, spend about five minutes on each game from the past week. Um, Just another quick housekeeping note that... uh, we were talking about it. we're trying to get Tuesdays in, but I mean, we both work full time and sometimes like it just doesn't make sense. Like yesterday we were going to record during the Jersey game, but there's only two games the, the the week before. Like it just didn't make sense. Life just happens too. Yeah. So you never know. And at the end of the day, I think it's more important to get an episode out each week versus on a specific time and day. Yeah. I think that's uh that's a very fair approach so whether it be sunday monday tuesday it'll be early in the week but it'll be one a week um moving forward uh let's dive in uh we go all the way back to wednesday i felt like we had so much time off um without any games honestly like i always like the small lulls in the season where you just kind of get to sit there and take it all in Mm. and i really would have hoped the team had the chance to do the same thing and come on this road trip essentially and come out swinging yeah <laughs> wishful thinking i guess <laughs> yeah well the road trip did start after the la game to uh, be fair I, yeah, I see but, what you're saying, yeah but with that being said we'll just jump into the first game um edmonton loses to la yeah by the score of three to one yeah another um, hat trick really okay. two to one empty netter what yeah. can you do yeah we we know more than our own fair share of empty net hat tricks this season so <laughs> so i saw a stat during this game this is the one thing i wanted to bring up is that uh at that point in time, there's only 12 uh, NHL games that had uh, hat tricks in them so far this year. Yeah. The Oilers have been involved in seven of them, and four of them have been against. So well, let's see: two McDavid ones, Evander Kane, two Svechnikov ones, yeah. this one, 
Is that seven? I totally stopped counting for some reason. <laughs> I think you're at six, but yeah, there's there's another one in there. Yeah, it uh, Jamie Ben. Jamie Ben. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So, anyways, that I was just throwing throwing that out there because I, I think mean, last. I'm not surprised by that stat. Edmonton no. plays a highly offensive style game. Our defense is absolute dog water. <laughs> so, like, I'm not surprised. Yeah. So, I mean, that aside, the the big thing that happened in this game was the the Edler hit. Yeah, pretty much. I think that that play in itself just completely rattled the whole team. You could see it in that yeah. Zach Hyman interview in between periods where he literally had to bite his own tongue and stop himself from saying something. See, and I thought that would be a rallying point for the team. I like, think to a degree it could be, but like I think the team got too in their own head at that point. Like you could tell McDavid was frustrated. You could tell like Hyman was frustrated with that play. Um, even dry saddles out there throwing the body. And mm. I think that like, as much as I'd like to see that from those guys, because hopefully that reverberates throughout the lineup and guys feel more motivated to go out there and play physically. I think it gets away from McDavid and dry saddle styles of games mm. when they're more focused on making hits and stuff than actually making plays with the puck. Yeah. You kind of, your brain leads with the body first rather than that. So uh, yeah, I, I obviously a dirty hit. Like he clearly stuck his leg out. Um, uh, and then Doughty, of course, trying just to play the, the anti-hero, <laughs> like stick up for his team. Like he's got to, but that, that was deliberate as I've ever seen. Yeah. Doughty, Doughty is the fucking worst. That's, <laughs> I'm very happy that he wasn't there for the playoff series last year because to me, he's like Kachuk level of, I fucking hate this guy because mm. he never shuts up. He's always in the scrums fucking around with everybody. And I'm like, buddy, you're like a $10 million defenseman. You don't need to play like this. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. He, he's definitely trying to find his role now that, you know, the play is starting to, you know, diminish a, a little bit towards the back end of his career. But I don't know. Any other themes that really stood out for this game? I just felt like LA was the better team through and through. Uh, they threw Edmonton off their game. Yeah, yeah. The, I think overall LA was better. Um, they're goalie played fantastic and unfortunately Edmonton had some pretty bad puck luck like if you look at that first goal that goes off of the Kings player and just flutters up over him and in <laughs> there's a few of those like, this week you can't really do much about that or what was oh, I think I just mixed up the games um are you thinking the Vegas the yeah that's are? the Vegas goal sorry this uh, was the one where he wired it past the point or from the point more wired it from the point Vogel was in the way yeah. didn't get a piece of it so Skinner literally could not see shit Mm-hmm. Um, and then that second goal was the classic cross ice pass because our PK doesn't know how to do anything about that and just a backdoor tap and essentially and then obviously the empty netter um, but I don't know you can't you can't play like that the team needs to score goals like that was the one game where our goalie only gave up two goals and we still couldn't win yeah usually that should be enough for our team to be able to only have two goals against we should be able to score three a game i thought yeah Stuart skinner played a strong game uh it just feels like we're getting beat in these games like it's gonna come down to our defense and i know it's a theme that we'll talk about a little bit later but if we can't score goals we're not gonna win yeah that's the way it just is right now see the problem is though we are scoring goals like we're what third in the league Mm -hmm. in goals four per game this season but we're also bottom three in the league for goals against. Are, we actually have more goals against after these three games than we do goals for now. 
But we have some of the worst five-on-five five stats, like, in the league. Oh, of course. So, But like, to be fair, like, our power play is good, but our, like, our yeah. PK shit. So those <laughs> yeah. can cancel each other out. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we're just kind of shooting ourselves in the foot every single fucking game. I know. It, uh, uh, I'm going to get it out of the way early. This team feels very meh to me right now. Just, I would say the decor feels very meh. Yeah. And the depth scoring feels very meh. Now, I'm saying that knowing, I guess, there's Evander Kane out. You're missing Yamamoto, which, have we got a fucking update what's going on there? No, I'm pretty sure he's just been like, is he even on IR or is he just I haven't seen anything. I thought it was day-to-day, but I didn't see the injury. I don't know, like, what's going I don't know if it's lingering from the preseason, but it's just... I would maybe think that it was a lingering thing that maybe got more severe, yeah, um, and that's just based off of the fact that he kind of has had a rough start. Mm. But to be fair, that's kind of how what you get with Yamamoto, right? He's very hot and cold, so maybe he was just cold before he got hurt. It just it's games like this where you kind of like uh, this one and the Jersey game we'll get into. Granted, the New Jersey Devils are on a fucking white hot rocket to the moon right now, um, but uh, like this Kings game should have been something. A Stanley Cup contender should, you know, fare better in, in in the way that they show up, and they just they just didn't show up, and I I just feel like this has been a theme like week after week after week that we go into this, it's very attuned to the 2018 Edmonton Oilers team for me. Yeah, the the post uh, like Cup run team that mm-hmm. lost to Anaheim. Yeah. Where they're kind of riding high in the confidence department, but they just, that seems to make it so they don't try while they're out there. Right. Unless your name's Zach Hyman, essentially. (laughs) Uh, The, I know you're pulling up the Yamamoto stuff, but. I just went and checked and he's not even on IR. He can, he can be put on IR retroactively. They want, but they're just holding him as, as day to day, technically. Okay. Well, I guess that's that news, but yeah, it's just one of those things where. And granted, you remember that little lull we had last year? Thank God we didn't have a podcast at that time because, like, after the COVID streak and everything that hit the team and we didn't end up, you know, how many losses in a row? Was it, like, 20 out of 25 games that we lost at one point? Yeah, that would have been an interesting time um, to have a podcast because every single podcast would have been, like, this kind of vibe where it's just, like, what the fuck is going on? Right. And hashtag fire tip it for every single post you make. Yeah. Oh, or like looking at Ken Holland, like I'm not, I'm not ready to do that because I still think it's relatively early compared to like what we saw last year. But at the same time, like, are we going to get better? You'd hope that this is kind of like them figuring their shit out early on in the year, but I don't know. It's a nine and eight team and it looks like a nine and eight team. I thought we were 10 and nine, 10 and nine. Shit. I'm looking at an old record. That's why. Oh, you were looking at the record yeah, yeah, yeah. post. Yeah. Uh, Post the LA game. Still, still nothing's changed, but... Yeah, we're essentially 500. We're fifth in the Pacific, barely holding on to a wild card spot at this point. Yeah. Yeah, this is not where the team wants to be at this point. Like, we should be top two in the division, like, second behind Vegas. There's no reason LA and Seattle, of all teams, should be in front of us. Right. So, at the end of the day, though, this LA game, the team just didn't show up the way that they needed to. Mm. And... Yeah, we need we need to score. I think Skinner gave us every chance in the world to win this game, and the offense just didn't show up. And if you ask the players, they probably feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. Um, just before we move off this game, jerseys. What'd you think of them? I still I like the jerseys. 
I cannot get over the orange oil drop. It's, yeah, it's glaring, hey? Yeah, like whenever it's the forward-facing jersey towards you, that's the only thing you notice. It's the first thing that catches your eye, and it looks awkward and out of place. It, I think it has to, like, even if that little, like, accent was, like, blue or something, it's just the the white and gray on orange is just not a good mix. Yeah, it clashes pretty hard. But, anyways, I still like them, but yeah, I'm with you. It's, like, kind of that one ugly thing you can't stop staring at yeah otherwise i love the jerseys like i think they don't look bad at all but Mm -hmm. they could be better moving to finally a saturday night primetime hockey night in canada game it was uh nice to have one of those for a change we'll get a one week break before we head into new york i guess 11 a.m in the morning but it's just felt like a month at least since we've had a a late night game call me crazy i can't wait for an 11 a.m game really yeah we'll get into that later okay um, yeah, so Vegas in town. I thought this was kind of the uh, the true test for Edmonton. Like, this has got to be the game that you guys show up in. Vegas is riding an unreal start to their season. I did not see them being first in the division. Well, like, point. let's look at their team. Like, Logan Thompson was supposed to be the weak point on that team, and instead he's been one of their biggest strengths. He's been fantastic, lights out all season. And Jack Eichel has... He did struggle to get going last season after he returned from his injury. But this year, after a full offseason of training and a full training camp, he's come out swinging and played fantastic. Him and Mark Stone and Chandler Stevenson, that is a terrifying line combo. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's not to mention the like defensive pedigree of that line either. Yeah, I, I just, as soon as I saw the lineup, I thought we were just lucky not to get Logan Thompson off the start. So, um, at least feeling good heading into that game, but... Just look, it, it was an entertaining game. Um, a lot of back and forth stuff going on. Uh, some of the things that stood out. Well, Fogel, just to start off, like, nice to see him getting rewarded that top six minute. Like, I think he's been busting his ass these past couple weeks. Fogel is one of the players, I will say, this season I have been pleasantly surprised with. Mm. Like, the way he's producing right now is what I would like to have seen out of Yamamoto before he got injured. I would have liked to see out of Pugliarvi. Like, these guys are playing in the top six. They're making. They need to make the most of it. And so far, it seems as though Fogel has been making the most of it. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I mean, the the weird one was or the the weird goal that you're talking about. That was just like, of course, that went in. The the Coles are. I I didn't see. I think it got tipped like right before it hit. Like, went in on Skinner? Yeah, essentially there was two Oilers players battling for the... Or, not two Oilers players, an Oilers player and a Vegas player battling for the puck or battling for position in front of the net. And it goes off of the Vegas player, I believe, and just flutters, like, three feet (laughs) in the air over Skinner and just plops right into the back of the net. Nobody sees it, and that's, like, the shittiest luck you can get. Yeah, it felt very, uh, very slow-mo when uh, (laughs) it was going up. You just see it, and you're like, a fucking course. Like, of course. But... Um, the only other thing that I had like noted out of this game that kind of really stood out is, um, Leon Dreisaitl, uh, and kind of the, the third goal. So Edmonton has a three, two lead. Uh, Hyman starts that, uh, um, that period off with the goal kind of gives the team kind of a little bit of a bump. Cause it felt like there's a lull heading into the end of the second, even though it was a tie game and. Um, I just feel this team, as soon as they get tied or they're a goal ahead, they're just the play kind of drops off. Mm-hmm. Um, but in his own end, Leon Dreisaitl chips it up the boards, doesn't get out of the zone, doesn't rush back for defensive coverage, and Marshall ties it up. Like, 
just the most lackadaisical effort i've here's the thing with that effort there was just the no icing call yeah that absolutely infuriated every oilers fan who's watching that game and i'm not going to say like just because you're tired doesn't mean you can not try so that's not really an excuse but in this game as a whole i'm not gonna go and say that the refs fucked edmonton over per se because Edmonton got their fair share of power play chances in that game. Yeah, but it was like, even, yeah. Like, you look at that no icing call, you look at the stone penalty shot, which in my opinion shouldn't have been a penalty shot. He was not clearing away. Me and my roommate were watching it. We're like, that is not a penalty shot. He used yeah. to do refing, and he's just like, I would never have called that a penalty shot. See, it's funny. I had the exact same thing. My brother, who's obviously not an Oilers fan, he's like, oh, you didn't get a shot. That's clearly a penalty shot. I was like, fuck, of course, yeah. But yeah, like I was under I the impression so. there had to be more of a degree of separation for there to be a penalty shot. But what do I know, I guess? Yeah. Because if you went on based off not getting a shot off, then McDavid would have 20 penalty shots a year. Yeah. So that that kind of criteria is a bunch of fucking bullshit. But either way, yeah, that was a weak effort by Drysaddle, especially getting the puck out. I fucking hate to see that because that happens to Edmonton all the time where they make a lazy play doesn't matter who it is mm-hmm. somebody on the team likes to make a lazy play not get it out of the zone and then they either get hemmed for five minutes or they just get scored on immediately yeah yeah it's <laughs> it feels like we come in here every week and it's the same shit over and over and over but i mean they probably know it too like it's just what are we doing about it um it was fun speaking of watching that game with my brother like as soon as it went to overtime, he's like, well, McDavid's going to score on just a ridiculous goal. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, I take that bet. <laughs> just unreal. Uh, the way that he like makes so much separation between him and the defender cuts in tight and then still has so much time to put so many moves like that. He's probably what five feet from the goal line. And he roofed that like over his glove. Like, Oh, his ability to raise the puck in tight like that with the speed that he does it is incredible. Mm-hmm. And I think that entire line of essentially McDavid, Nurse, and Drysaddle, they've been itching for overtime because that's our first overtime of the year. I, yeah, I was going to say. They've been hoping for that chance. And they even said it in the post-game interview. It was really funny where they're just like, yeah, we, were, we probably stayed on a little bit too long. <laughs> and then it just kind of worked out. It's so like McDavid's like, I had a little bit of gas in the tank, so I had the puck. I was like, okay, I'll give it one more go before I go for a change. <laughs> Did you hear Harner Ryan Singh's call? His voice cr- crack? It's yeah. not even a voice crack. It's just a voice <laughs> lack, I guess, because his voice just completely fell apart. Trying it to just tailed off. Call. It, was, it was so amazing that he kept holding on to it. <laughs> he tried his best Jack Michaels impression, and it did not work. <laughs> uh, that was pretty funny. But I, I felt good. It was... It wasn't pretty, but it was. Those are the games that you need to to force out. So, I mean, if you're against the top team of the league like that, especially like essentially top three team in the league, being competitive the entire time is all I'm really looking for. Yeah. Like if we were to have lost this game, like let's say four three in regulation, and it was a tight game, I would obviously be disappointed. But I think I'd be able to think of some positive things to spin off of that game be like yes we were competitive with one of the best teams in the league but sometimes that's not the case Mm -hmm. and it leads into the next game where edmonton loses to new jersey five to two yeah let's just get into it so this game i don't really know much to say about this game outside of 
our defense was abysmal, and this had to be Skinner's worst game of the season by a mile. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you go back to Campbell, but we'll get into that in a second. Next game. I It just wasn't great. I agree. Well, like, let's let's start with his giveaway that yeah. led to the empty net tap-in to blow the, blow the tie game, essentially, at 1-1. Now it's 2-1 New Jersey. That's just abysmal. Like, we're used to seeing it because we're used to Mike Smith, but... Skinner needs to calm down. He's been playing the puck way too much. He almost made a similar mistake in the game too, like in the next period, I think, where he went to go play the puck and almost gave it away again while he was 10 feet out of the net. It was I was uh, actually in my car. I, I went out for the uh, first intermission to go grab something, and on my way back I was listening to the game, and Bob Stoffer just tore him a new asshole on that that like he's like that play was going absolutely nowhere for New Jersey. You don't need to go out and play that puck. Well, and it comes down to the team just needs to, like, calm down. Yeah. Like, Skinner, for one, yes. And the defense need to be in a good supportive position. There's been a couple times where there's just no support at all. And it doesn't make any sense. I think it was in this game where Barry tried to carry the puck out on the fifth goal. Yep. And he has no support. Because mm-hmm. the forwards are all at the offensive blue line, and it's I think it's Kulak and Barry. Kulak passes it back to Barry, and Barry tries to carry it up, being the last man back, and then he just doesn't get back into position. So it's essentially a two-on-one. And part of me like wonders just to play devil's advocate. Like, is that them forcing the clock with only five minutes left, like trying to get something to work? Like, well, maybe, but like if you don't get the puck out of your own zone, That's what are you true. really forcing in the first place? Just hail marys, yeah. Like one of the one of the forwards needs to be back to kind of support that, especially if Barry's going to try and carry the puck up. Like, I don't know. I don't know actual coaching or like actual NHL yeah. degree of plays, but that can't be fucking right. Yeah, I know you're trying to pick, but like have fucking McDavid picking and then have like Yanmark back helping break the puck out or something like that. Like you don't have to have all three guys up there. Mm-hmm. I I'm with you. Um, a couple things that stand out for me. The, the Tatar goal was the absolute like shit stain on our defensive, like coverage this year. Like that was a demonstration to the rest of the NHL, how bad the Oilers are defensively this year. It wasn't the best. That's for sure. That was, Pugliarvi had the puck down low in the offensive zone, plays it back to the point. It's a bouncing puck, not a great pass. Nurse bobbles it immediately, fires it right back to the New Jersey forward, and then has to start backing up. And from what I could tell, when I'm not sure who the other New Jersey forward is now that I remember, um, but he took the shot, and Barry just turns around and watches the shot as it Skinner makes the, the save in air quotes and flutters it up. Yeah. in the air like terrible rebound controller we shit on campbell for that all the time we gotta shit on skinner when he makes those kind of mistakes too. yeah i it's not even the like the shit in the offensive end that really pissed me off it's the lack of effort on the back end like you you gave up the puck you need to work twice as hard to work back and the fact that like yeah i saw the little like deke out where they was it pulley and barry that both took the same guy and they kind of just let tatar walk in yeah like he got it's that just... was Barry's guy. Yeah. I think it was Tatar who was the one who took the shot. That's what happened. Tatar took the shot, and Barry watched him take the shot, tried to kind of get in the way, didn't. Turns around and just watches the puck. He doesn't skate toward where the puck is going. He just stares up and watches it as it falls. So 
that leads perfectly into my next point where I think we can open up the discussion on, on what's really at hand. I think Leon Dreisaitl should not be a centerman on this team anymore. So are you implying that Nuge should be the center uh, of the second line? Or should he be something... top line winger? Or I just, I'm getting fed up with the, I get that he's one of the most skilled players on the offensive end, but it feels like both of those goals, you, you look at the uh, Severson goal and the Tatar goal, Pugliarvi is the first man back both times. Now, I get it on a four-check. This is my own opinion. I don't know what they're they're taught on the team, so maybe it's not a function of Dreisaitl's play. Maybe it's the um, uh, four-check, back-check. But if you're heading up ice, I get F1, F2, F3. You get first man in takes a certain point on the four-check. But working backwards, when you have a winger taking someone in the center position, you're relying on him to play a center, like, to play RV's defense. Like, not the most, you know defensively skilled player on that line by any means and having him back like I will I'll say that Pugliarvi's efforts in these past like two weeks have been pretty good like I'm pretty happy with his effort he's playing physical he's 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 done everything but score exactly yeah um but you can't have Leon Dreisaitl caught up ice every time that you have a goal against well part of the problem is a lot of the time he gets caught up ice he's the one carrying the puck in and he chooses not to dump the puck in and instead try to carry it across the blue li- the blue line with not enough speed. And he gets forced by the defenseman and gives the puck away. And then he gets caught, like you just said. So, I, I just, that's my thoughts. If you stick him on a wing and, and don't have someone with as much talent as he has, um, well, he's going to be the guy leading the rush. That's just yeah. the way I see it on a... Um, a rush play. You need to have someone who's able to get back into that center role in your defensive end should you cough up the puck, which the Oilers tend to do more than any other team in the NHL right now. Well, that would be one of Nuge or McLeod right. would have to go there. Right. And I think either of them could do that. Um, maybe even Nuge as the center, Drysaddle takes faceoffs because you can't deny that Drysaddle is still the best faceoff man on the team. Um, I don't know if that stat supports that, but he takes the most important draws all the time on the team. Yeah. So that would be one of the number one things. Um, or McDavid, for that matter, he could center that too and have dry out on the top line. Um, but I don't disagree with you. I'm trying to think off the top of my head a reason why, but I'm wondering if dry injury to his ankle, not with help, like withstanding any actual still pain he feels in his leg or something like that that might have been the worst thing for him in his career because he learned that he doesn't have to try to put up points well that's yeah and that's kind of where i'm coming from is your centerman has to be your best physically like in tune player that you have on that set of three and if it's not him put him on a wing so my thoughts like put him up with mcdavid Let's give a couple runs. Yes, that'll impact the depth. But right now we've got Dylan Holloway playing on the fourth line. Well, does the depth even matter if the depth's not scoring regardless exactly, of Drysaddle playing center? Exactly. Because they they've been playing Nuge and... Um, God, my brain is just not working right now. Um, Pugliarvi, for example, on that yep. line. And they haven't... Like, Nuge has been producing a little bit. Yeah. Fogel's done okay on that line. But I think... They don't need Drysidle to be making the like making the plays that they are, mm-hmm. but 
I honestly, I would throw McLeod up with Nuge and Puliyarvi, and you give the third line to Holloway. You can balance. So you want third line center Holloway? Second or third, one of the two, I think. I think. Okay. I, think I don't know about second, but yeah, I I didn't. I prefer Holloway on the wing at this point in his career, mm. and I'd like to see centers of like. Let's say we're doing the dry set on the wing experiment. Sure. Um, Pull Yanmark off that top yeah. line. Well, it's pretty much going to be McDavid, Nuge, and McLeod. Yeah. Whether you want to swap Nuge and McLeod around, that's whatever. And then with a healthy Kane, that would give us Drysidle, Kane, Fogel on the left side, and then Hyman, Pulley, RV, Yamamoto on the right side once See, our team's healthy. Even with our team the way it is, I'd still keep Nuge on the wing. So that I'm not confident with Holloway as our third-line center. Yeah. I, he yeah. hasn't shown his, the defensive pedigree to play the That's center true. defense that, yeah. the center position in a defensive way. But he'll just end up just like Drysaddle. I I disagree. Based off of your like your assessment of Drysaddle, I don't think he has the defensive IQ in th- at this point in his career. The reason I disagree is because I think he's the most physically capable person on that of those people to play that line. Like in based purely off skating ability, I don't disagree with you. But I think he's already proven this this season that yeah. his timing is off. He panics under pressure, and I don't think he's ready to be playing top nine center. I'm fine with him playing top line winger, yeah. but having the responsibilities that a center needs to have, especially in the D zone if they get hemmed in, I think that is going to be detrimental to the team because our bottom six already bleeds goals against, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's going to help the situation at all. Yeah, I, I guess we'll, we'll d- agree to disagree on well, that we'll, one. I just... We'll see if there's a, a three-game losing streak here and we're willing to try new things. Yeah. But I'm not ready for that experiment yet. I'm fine with moving Drysaddle to the wing, but putting Holloway at center, maybe maybe with the injuries we have right now, I would consider it. But I personally don't think that's going to work yet. I just trying to think outside the box, and I keep going to those early games where... Uh, when Holloway returned from whatever that injury they're calling it, um, he he got those couple games at center, and I thought that's the best he's looked all year. He's and, looked pretty good on that fourth line when he's been playing center when they've been doing 12 yeah. forwards. That's why I figured, you know, elevate him, give him some time with Costin. I guess who does that put you with on the, the third? Ryan. Yeah, or Fogel, whoever it may be. Yeah. If we're so. b- bumping people all over the place, let's say you're doing <laughs> dry saddle Nuge, and then Fogel would be the third line left winger. Um, and then our right wingers would be Hyman, uh, Pugliarvi, and Costin. Yeah, I would assume. It's I'm just I'm desperate to try something new. I just I don't know if what's working is well. It's clearly it's working half the time. So, so. that leads into the overall problem I think with the team, which appears to just be defensive zone coverage in general. Mm. Whether that's from the cycle when we're trying to defend against the cycle or it's the rush the amount of times this season i've seen like even a three on three or a three on two for us for example we're defending with three defensemen versus two people and i see guys double commit to the wrong side or the wrong person constantly like it'll be a two on three for the other team they have two people we have three defensemen back or a forward and two defensemen and they, we have two players commit to one forward and one player commit to the other forward. And then nobody has the trailer who comes into the zone. Oh, my God, yeah. And the trailer just gets to walk in and take a free shot. Look at the Mark Stone goal. Look yeah. at the Damon Severson goal. Like, there's so many of these moments happening where 
maybe this leads into what you were talking about with Drysaddle, where I think each time it was a winger who is back, who maybe they're not set up in terms of they personally believe their responsibilities are when they're out there, where they're like, oh, I'm just going to stay with the guy who has the puck versus playing the man and taking away the trailer or something like that. But overall, I think one of the problems has to be our actual D system in itself. And this brings us back to what is Dave Manson doing? Yeah, I think it's a valid question because, I mean, it's it's one of those things that's existed for forever, but I feel like we're being scored more off the rush this year than any other year. And that that's all that I was getting with, with the, the dry sidle thing is I just feel like, like you'd mentioned, it always feels like there's a, a winger back. And then when there's a winger back with two defensemen, everyone's like, okay, what do we do now? Yeah, everybody just gets lost in the coverage. Yeah. Like there'll be a pass and everybody will double commit to take away the pass and, and then nobody's there taking away the shot. I mean, it, it, it goes back to Calgary and I think that was one of the things that I noticed in that series, sorry, back to last year. But um, we saw all of those times where, you know, you have a winger down there and then by the time the centerman comes back into his own defensive end, he goes to commit so the winger can come back to his position. Meanwhile, like... You do, you're in your defensive end. You don't have possession of the puck. So the other team can read that, and it's easy for a guy to step in. Like, how many, like, goals do we give up in the slot? Well, yeah, and then that leads into our penalty kill. Yeah. And how terrible our penalty kill has been. One of the biggest, my biggest pet peeves on our penalty kill is we have a complete inability to take away the cross-ice pass. It's constantly, it's the cross-ice pass that's sewering us. Um, we try to do it all the time where McDavid passes across the dry sidle. And I'd say that probably has like a 25% completion rate for that pass actually getting through. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, on our end, that it feels like that goes through 75% of the time. Was, wasn't that Moore that scored on one Yeah, in LA? Yeah. And it, it, like, it just constantly keeps happening where there's nobody taking away the pass. Like our sticks aren't active enough. Our positioning is not great. I just, I don't really know what to do because I feel like we've tried probably... 10 different people on the penalty kill this Mm -hmm. season which maybe that's what the problem is is that we're rolling through all (laughs) these different players on the penalty kill when we should just have like a set four to maybe six guys who play on the penalty kill versus the 10 we have like i can't remember if i got into this conversation with you on a previous podcast do you remember if we had that conversation yeah yeah we were talking about this a little bit but i think you're right i think there's too many you know hands in the pot right now yeah and like it leads back to the defense too. Um, you know how we're shaking up the forwards constantly. We've got Yanmark on the top line. We have Costin on the third line. Yeah. The pairings for defense have barely changed at all. The only yeah. thing that's changed is Murray and Nima line and playing with Barry. It's like there's two different like psychologies of how the team should work. Like let's let's keep refreshing the forwards. Get that like that new kind of see if there's chemistry somewhere. Meanwhile, it feels on defense we're like we're here to build a relationship. And we're going to work till we figure this out. Yeah, well, we have Nurse and CC together, both of which at times, especially CC, have really, really struggled this year. Then we have Kulak and Bouchard. <laughs> Similarly, like, it seems like the odd time they have an off game. To be fair, I think that might be our, like, our least mistake pairing outside of a couple of Kulak blown tires this year. And then we have Barry Murray slash Niemelainen. Right. And Barry has had some moments this year where he's got caught up pinching a little bit too far or getting lost in the coverage, like we were mentioning on those rush chances. I think his his rush defense has seemed pretty abysmal so far this season. But 
at what point do you start mixing up those pairings? Do you throw Bouchard on the top pairing with Nurse, drop CC down to the fourth pairing with Nima Line or third pairing with Nima Line, and and then you have Barry and Kulak. I know they're a little small, but they had a great year in the playoffs. They like were really really good last year and seemed mm-hmm. to complement each other really well. I yeah I I agree with you. Like something needs to change. And looking back at the success that they've had so far this year, one of the things that I noticed that was happening a lot is how much and we kind of shit over uh shit on him when like he got caught but you don't see darnell nurse taking rushes up ice anymore like not very often it seems and when he does he generally skates it in and just takes like a wrist shot from the left circle generally mm. i know he scored on one of those shots this season but yeah yeah it seems like maybe the entire decor is just lacking confidence like you can look at barry when he tried to cut <laughs> like skate the puck out of the zone in that yeah. new jersey game and like just immediately gave the puck away. He just didn't maybe have the confidence to think that he could get around the guy properly. But I think the whole decor is having a real identity crisis right now. Yeah. Well, let's final, finally just wrap up the D thing with one more player. <laughs> I know you want to talk about Bouchard. Ah, yes, and his inability <laughs> to shoot the fucking puck on net. Oh, man. When I saw that the Oilers were prepping their practice by, you know, bringing out some basically glorified... Pylons? Pylons, yeah. Like, that just shows you the the status of of our our defensive shots at the point. Like, tough I know you're supposed to look where your shot's going to go, keep your head up and all that, but Bouchard's got to look down and be like, oh, this puck's not going to make it to the net because there is a guy literally right in front of me. I think I might have been the L.A. game. I can't remember which of the three games it was, but I was literally screaming because Bouchard took like four shots in a row and they were just blocked, blocked, blocked. I was like, holy fuck, Bouchard. What are you doing, man? Yeah. And then obviously, like everybody at this point has probably heard the old adage, uh, the shin pad assassin. Yeah. And essentially Bouchard's replacing Andre Sakara with that one. I know he's looking for his first goal, so you got to wonder how much that's eaten him up too. He needs to get that monkey off his back, that's yeah. for sure. But I don't know what he's doing. He needs to look where he's shooting, though. And he's going to do it on, like, just a sample wrister that's going to find its way through, and then it's going to be all fine. But, I mean, he's had this for a couple of years now. <laughs> yeah, well, this this season has just been completely egregious. Yeah. And it sucks, too, because I feel like this season our forwards, our bigger guys like Fogel, Pugliarvi, and Costin so far have been really good about getting to the net and creating a screen. Mm-hmm. But we can never get the puck through. Yeah, it's not. It's hitting the first guy. <laughs> yeah, it, like we should be at least able to get it by the winger who's trying to block the shot up <laughs> yeah. top. Like the amount of times the other team gets the puck around our wingers, like I don't know what they're like, what's in their juice or whatever, or in their fucking uh, bio steel <laughs> that they're drinking, but something makes them commit harder for blocking shots than we do. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Ah, uh, that was that felt good. That felt good. <laughs> Uh, just taking a look at the other things, just wrapping up some other notes. Jack Campbell getting hit with a puck on the bench of fucking course. I was pretty terrified in that moment because first thing I thought of, because it looked like he was holding his eye or at yeah. least around his eye, I was like, that's broken orbital bone. Yeah. Like, and luckily, or unlucky, depending on how you look at it, it's just a like a mildly broken nose, I guess. That's what he said too. Yeah, because he's going to be backing up tomorrow. Good. And Picard is not being called up in any capacity. Picard can't play anyway because he's hurt. Oh, is he? Yeah, that's oh, why I was freaking out. So we'd have to call up Rodriguez. Yeah, that's what I mean. Too. Okay. 
Do you oh, dress geez. the e-bug at that point? Like, yeah. Ugh. Well, the e-bug was in there for a bit. Yeah. You're sitting on the bench. Yeah. It's, ugh. Uh, it's just one of those those little stretches in the season where I just feel like everything is, it's, it's on rocky waters. We, we did a lot of, like, like, venting here, but this is just, we're at the quarter pole of the season, and it's been very iffy so far. Yeah, like, we outside of our one win streak we had, it's been a very disappointing start to the season so far. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, I was reading that we have had, I believe, the third most difficult schedule in the NHL so far this year in terms of quality of competition versus we now have the second easiest schedule for the rest of the season. See, I will take this because we had the complete opposite last year. Yeah. And you saw when that caught up to us. So... Like, and I'm with you, like, I'm glass half full right now. Um, It's just some of these things become obvious. This is when you want to be fixing your problems. Like, this is when you want to figure out what's going on. You don't want to be doing this in March and be like, oh, shit. Like, we're sitting in a playoff spot. What are we going to do first round? You got to face some adversity. Yeah. And hopefully that adversity makes your team better. But the only problem I have with this whole adversity thing is it seems like it's the same problems playing the team. Oh, exactly. Yeah. But that leads into... What do you think we can do to fix it? What's the number one thing we could do? Do you make a trade? Do you think a trade yeah. will solve the problem? I think you've got this like five five mil with Kane on LTIR. Um, you got to look at the holes that are being filled. I don't know what like I'm happy with Costin. Yanmark has been like eh. I really don't like him on the top line. Yanmark had a couple good games, but so far on the top line, he hasn't been that impressive. Yeah. I prefer somebody who's more of a four checker than a puck carrier. Yeah. Um, and that's just my personal opinion, I guess. I just, I don't, I don't want to make a trade and give up assets for something where you're trying to plug a hole for the sake of plugging a hole. Well, and I'm going to just voice my opinion. And personally, yeah, yeah. I don't think a trade is going to help this team currently especially on the forwards. Yeah. Like, I've heard some rumors of the Oilers being interested in Josh Anderson. No, thank you. But I have literally negative interest in that, unless somebody else is going the other way, probably Pugliarvi, um, so that we have room in our top nine for that, because currently I don't think with a healthy team we have room in our top nine for Josh Anderson. Um, but our number one concern is defense. Yeah. So we either need a righty who can play with Nurse, or we need a lefty who can bump Kulak down and Murray and Niemalain into the press box. So I, I there'd be a lot of cap fan dangling to make this work, but Eric Carlson. I've been thinking about Eric Carlson a lot, and I'm yeah. glad you brought it up. Sweet. Because we don't even have notes on that. But <laughs> um, me and my roommate were speculating on what it would take to get Eric Carlson and what I would be okay with. And the only way I could see it happening is minimum it would need to be 50 percent retained whether that's yeah. through a third team or something yeah but he needs to be coming in at six mil max yep because otherwise i just don't think that's possible and i think in a perfect world you could get him down to even like four million through a double retention trade but there's going to be some significant pieces you're going to have to give up you're talking like a bro bird a first what i'm thinking for my trade sure. speculation is a first Broberg. Pugliarvi, Barry. Interesting. I know it's a you get lot. The, but you get the cap savings both, well, Pugliarvi, yeah, Pugliarvi and Barry too. You essentially get $7 million on the cap, so we could take him for up to $7 million or so. Right. 
um, not including the two and a half million that we apparently have in current cap space thanks to LTIR. So giving up Barry, what does that leave you for a hole with on D? Well, that moves Carlson to the top pairing with yeah. Nurse, then Bouchard and moves CC down to the third pair. That's not bad. That's a hell of a lot better than it's sitting right now. Because I, th- I think it's pretty redundant to have, uh, especially all three of them, of Bouchard, Barry, and um, Carlson. And maybe they want Bouchard. I don't know if I'm willing to do that. Barry is yeah. definitely more, especially if we're giving up Broberg and we're giving up a first, I don't want to also give up Bouchard. So Barry would have to be the defenseman to go. Yeah. Because otherwise we have way too much money on that right side. Well, and the other thing that you you can take into consideration too is by giving up those pieces that frees you up basically to be in the same cap situation that you're at before, I, it, by the sounds of it, a million plus uh, to work with, and you've now got a couple holes you can fill. Or, like I mentioned before, when people get healthy, you have the holes that you can fill and you can keep, you know... Yamamoto, Kane, never like everybody that's in there right now, on the on the uh, the roster because right now like Yamamoto, Kane come back, we're gonna have to start sending guys down. Yeah, and then you'll just have to make that uh, decision. I I like that. I I really do actually. <laughs> I think that's the best you can get. Like I think in a perfect world we don't have to give up Broberg, mm-hmm. and you could give up somebody else. But with Samarukov being gone, um, and Niemelainen, I will say struggling to get his foot in the door to be on that third pairing. I think Broberg's the only defenseman of real value we would have to trade right now. Yeah. Um, And I don't want to give up, give up on a guy, but Carlson's been playing great. My, my only concern with Carlson is that he struggled in San Jose quite a bit when Burns was there. Um, To be fair, they were both the same side. They're both righties. So they're kind of sharing duties. Um, but Carlson is more of a clear-cut number one, and he does best when he is the go-to guy. And when he's healthy. And when he's healthy. Because and to be fair, he's healthier than I think he's been since his injury. And he's looking like the perennial all-star he's always been. I think that's what's been nagging him a big part. Like I do like the piece about uh, uh, him and Burns playing together. Like That definitely will impact a guy. Um, but yeah, I think now that he's healthy, he's he's Eric Carlson, like... Um, so I, I, yeah, I, I'd, I'd sign that deal tomorrow. Yeah. The only thing that would need to happen is that nurse would have to take a step back offensively and slip more into the role of being a shutdown defenseman. But, but don't you think that would like be beneficial for him? I personally think that would be beneficial for him. Yes. He has great skating, but I'd like to him to use that great skating more on the defensive end, mm-hmm. whether that's just breaking the puck out with a nice pass or back-checking incredibly hard, because there's times where he just fucking flies on the back-check. There was, I think, a couple times this year where there was a breakaway, and he somehow caught up to the guy on the breakaway and managed to knock the puck away, or at least mess him mess with him enough to make it so they couldn't get a good scoring opportunity. Yeah, but And, I yeah, I agree. I think Carlson would be the number one target outside of that. I haven't looked too much into it. And we were talking about potentially a left defenseman. That would be maybe Chitrin, who's finally back from injury. But I would want more of a sample size to look at Chitrin. And plus, you're talking injury-prone. Chitrin's yeah. a fucking glass house. Well, I, yeah. Uh, the other reason that I'd put Carlson over him right now is I think there's a leadership role to be filled on that back end. That's very true. I think Carlson would do fantastic in a leadership capacity with Edmonton. Kind of similar to what Duncan Keith brought to this team last yeah. year. Yeah. I, I think you need a Chris Pronger-esque trade right now. Yeah in order for you to make a trade right now worthwhile. 
Yeah, well, I did I did see somebody post on Reddit that we need another Chris Pronger. And I was like, uh, of course we need another yeah, like, perennial course. all-star, future Hall of Famer, like a fantastic stay-at-home two-way <laughs> two defenseman. Yeah, yeah. why not? <laughs> but yeah, no, like if, if we're going to use modern-day comparables, I would go EK or equivalent. Like For what we need on this team? Yes. yes. And yeah. like I think Carlson would give us the one thing we've been lacking since Pronger which is a true clear-cut number one defenseman. Yeah. And him and Nurse, assuming Carlson's healthy and has the capacity to do so, they could easily play 30 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I agree. But uh, we'll see how things go here. Tomorrow night, the Oilers will jump in to, uh, the Long, into Long Island, on Long Island. They jump. always get pissed off when you, you fuck it up. I forget which one it is. You're on Long Island, not in Long Island. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's an island in itself. But They're that's playing a, the Islanders. That's a 5.30. Yeah. And then they play Saturday against the Rangers at 11 a.m. And like I said before, I'm looking forward to a nice early game. Feels like I'm watching like an F1 race when the game's that early. And I like to get it out of the way. So I'm not I'd, thinking about it all day long. I prefer 11 a.m. game before a 2 o'clock in the afternoon game for sure. Yeah. But. Because then you can get, like, 2 o'clock kind of falls in the middle of the day, kind yeah. of ruins it. Like, yeah. you have to commit to the game during the day versus a game at 11. You get it over with, for lack of a better word. Um, the only problem is if you're one of those drinkers out there, you might be a little morning drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Well, uh, taking a look at our next podcast, they play on Monday, so it either makes sense for us to record again on Tuesday or potentially on Sunday um so look out for the podcast either monday morning or tuesday evening um but it'll be there don't worry it'll be there (laughs) uh that being said uh we'll see you next week